You're listening to Sobriety with Ari Eastman. Hey, that's me. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sobriety with me, your host and friend, and lady on the internet, Ari Eastman. I hope you... What are my hopes for you, dear listener? I have so many hopes for you, so many dreams for you. I mean, my I think about you, and my heart is filled with joy and light and laughter. <laughs> the laughs we've had. I hope you... I hope your life is filled with abundance. Whatever that means, right? Like, that can mean anything. Just, well, okay. Good abundance? Because I guess you could have, like, an abundance of bad things happen, and I don't want that for you. I want good abundance. I want your cup to runneth over, if you will. So, today, I thought we could take a little unhinged trip down memory lane together, because I've been just thinking about how peaceful my life is in the romantic department. Like, sure, I still have my anxiety issues that I even talked about on the podcast, where I had those couple of weeks where, for whatever reason, I just felt like filled with so much doom and anxiety and worry, and I had all these worries about things that I was just like, oh my gut is telling me all these bad things are going to happen, and guess what? Not a single one of those bad things I was worried about happened. So it turns out, in that scenario, it was not my intuition. It was my anxiety disorder. But on the whole, on the whole, I've been very peaceful in my dating life because (laughs) I don't have one. So, you know, Sherlock Holmes really figured that uh, mystery out. But I was on the phone with my mom, and we were gossiping as two ladies are to do sometimes when they're on the phone mother daughter they're gonna they're gonna gossip about the neighbors they're gonna chit chat you know and we were talking about someone who was dating and sort of the the sort of um you know I don't like the word crazy because we've really you know we've used crazy to Uh, punish people with mental illnesses for so long we've used crazy for women especially it's a very throughout history it's been a very gendered term for uh behaviors specific you know only like in women right like a woman will do something and it's crazy and we don't always apply the same thing to men like historically um but All that being said, we were talking about some woman and some of her crazy behavior in the dating world. And I said to my mom, I said, isn't it nice that I haven't told you, like, I haven't called you crying about some stupid, crazy shit that I have done or said or thought about because of a man? And my mom was like, yeah. And I just thought, you know what's really great? When that prefrontal cortex really finishes up around 25, 26, because I really look at my life in my teens and my early 20s and then my later 20s, and there is a stark difference in the way I felt about just everything related to romance and dating and the severity of everything, the drama of everything, and also the craving of the drama. There's a, there was so much in, especially college and in my early 20s, where, 
you're just so caught up in the like the drama of it all like oh he said he can't be with me but he still wants to be with me and oh we're taking time apart and oh you know it's just like you get older and you go that's boring (laughs) that is boring and I'm tired and I got sober at 27 so really any sort of embarrassing unhinged moment with a man they really all got cut off at 27 um and I'm like wow (laughs) the peace the peace that has given me that I also wasn't pouring gasoline on these moments on these raw moments because that's what alcohol for me would do is take these moments where if I hadn't have been drunk I probably would have not behaved in a certain way or um kind of I don't know like heightened situations I think I also used to use and I think actually a lot of us do this whether or not we whether or not we qualify as alcoholics, alcohol use disorder, whatever it is, I think a lot of us engage in alcohol in this way of letting it kind of be this mask that we can put on to um, strip down a barrier of, like, let's say you really want to text that guy and you're in college and you want to ask him why he's being so distant all of a sudden and the discomfort and the emotional vulnerability and intimacy and fear of rejection and all of these things that it would take to have that conversation and to genuinely be like hey um I feel like you're distant from me or I like you and do you like me or whatever that moment may be it's very scary to do that in a sober clear state of mind so we'll use alcohol to give us permission but those moments rarely rarely are better with alcohol I mean I think of those moments and times when I used alcohol as my you know we always say like liquid courage or or, you know it's it's to send that risky text right it's the little blanket you put on that makes you not as scared to send it I mean, I can't think of a single time where I ended up sending that drunk text and felt good about it the next day. I'd also argue that if you are feeling like you can't say something sober, whether you are too scared, you are worried about the outcome, it feels uncomfortable, you're not there yet emotionally, whatever the reason, I would argue that maybe you shouldn't say it. Like, perhaps that is a signal from your body, your brain, your spirit uh, trying to protect you that if it will not uh, allow you to say it in a clear state of mind where you will remember it, perhaps you, my dear, are not ready to have that moment. And you need to either get there or maybe you just shouldn't send the fucking text. One of the stories that I think about when it comes to just just unhinged behavior because in the name of love, if that's what we want to call it, truly infatuation in this case because I was so 
just head over heels for um, this guy my senior year of college. He was older than me. We randomly met out on the streets of Hollywood. Like I was literally still in school. He was a working comedian. And um, yeah, I was just crazy about him. I was, it, it was one of the, there have been two times in my life where I looked at someone and I was like, that person is going to like destroy me. <laughs> um, and the other time the person did not destroy me. We had a loving, amazing relationship for uh, like two and a half years. And then uh, I, I just looked at him and, you know, whatever. I don't I don't love at first sight. I don't really believe in, but definitely like magnetism at first sight where I was just like, oh, I just didn't understand what was happening and the long and the short of it you know he never he never reciprocated those feelings um but it was confusing because we did hook up a few times and he was confusing with his words because he would you know kind of be like oh I don't want to be with you like that but I love you and you're beautiful and you're this and you're that and I think now and again this is something that maybe comes when your prefrontal cortex is uh fully developed you really just have to take people's words and 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 take them at face value. And even if some other words get in there and it gets confusing, um, you have to believe what people tell you. And searching for hidden meaning in things and, oh, well, you know, he says he doesn't want to date me, but he also says that, like, he wishes I was here with him right now and that, you know, he loves the sound of my laugh. It's like... The secondary things, as painful as it is, they are irrelevant because whether or not someone wants to be with you, like they'll be with you. And it is as simple as that, I think, at the end of the day. But I was like 21, uh, 21 or 22. So, you know, my brain not working quite yet. So he had this obsession with this really random, obscure country music star that I don't know that much about the country music world, um, but it was not a name that I was familiar with, uh, but was super, super obsessed with this guy. I'm not going to say the name, but I mean, he's not listening to this podcast, but uh, I will say he is the last person, not the country music star, the guy in this story. He is the last person to ever see me drunk, which is crazy because I went to his house uh, my last night drinking, because uh, we had randomly been texting, which I really shouldn't have been doing, um, and went over to his house, and I was already very drunk, and nothing happened. We didn't do anything. We just, like, talked, and uh, yeah, the next day, I just thought, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Like, how am I, how did I just, you know, embarrass myself again in front of this guy I'm 27 years old. This is the same guy I was embarrassing myself in front of when I was 21. This cannot be my life. And uh, yeah, so shout out to you. You are the last person to ever see me drunk. So I am like, like I said, I'm like 21, 22. And he's obsessed with this country music star. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get him something like really special from this country music star that he's obsessed with and that's going to 
show how like meaningful and like how much I listen to him and I'm so thoughtful and like you know like I just like love him so much and you know I know he only wants to be friends but you know we we still kind of have this vibe together so I'm gonna I'm gonna get him something from this guy and maybe I can get it personalized and so I kind of went through this like uh by the way at this time I was misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder later on it turned out that was an incorrect diagnosis and the mania I was experiencing was like truly just crazy 20 20 year old um in love with a guy who doesn't love her back shit (laughs) yeah you ever been misdiagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder and it turns out you were just literally crazy over a guy yeah so I was truly in like a state of manic trying to plan how you know, he was going to come to his senses and realize that, you know, we were meant to be together. And um, so I went on eBay and I found a signed, I can't remember if it was like a record, a CD, it was something signed from this guy. I am a broke college kid with like no money. I'm eating rice cakes for dinner. And I spent like $180, some some astronomical price for Again, this country music star that I have never heard of in my life. And I got him this uh, autographed, (laughs) this autographed CD, let's say it was. And then that was not enough. That was not enough to just give to him. I decided to craft, aka lie, and tell him that I had been in contact with the guy's like music management team. And I had told them about how much he was a fan and how much he loved them and that this was like personally signed to him after I had talked to them about him and like I don't know why I felt the need to add that in why did I feel I was like oh yeah you know I've actually been literally talking to his team no I saw I I bought it from some guy like you know big boy 232 on ebay you know, Big Cowboy, 59. I don't know why 59. I could have said 69. It was right there. So uh, I, you know, give him this CD and uh, he was like, wow, this is really cool. And I remember thinking, that's all I get? (laughs) Which if the roles were reversed and I was a guy telling this story, everyone would be like, oh, like, oh, what does he owe you? You know? And yeah, you know what? You're right. I would I deserve that because I was the creep in this story, just like so desperate to make him love me. Just like, what? How can I prove that he should be with me? Like, can't you see? You belong with me. You wear short skirts. I wear t-shirts. And I bought you a country music star sign CD. Um, yeah, but I just thought about that and I thought, why the fuck did I go through all of that? Spend money, like literally lie, come up with this whole thing, spend time researching on eBay to get someone the CD who didn't really care about me. Like he said he cared about me, but at the end of the day, not in the way that I wanted to be cared about and not in the way that um, I was caring about him. And all this to say, if you are in a a stage, especially if you're younger listening to this stage of your life where you're just like, oh, like, I just I'm doing crazy things for people who just like don't want me like that. Oh, I feel you. And 
I do feel like it does get better as you get older. And my God, life is so peaceful now. And also, by the way, all in all of those things, alcohol was kind of intertwined. I wouldn't say I was in, I wouldn't say I was really functioning as an alcoholic in college because I didn't drink till I turned 21. And then when I did, I kind of started slowly but you know kind of within 21 22 23 I don't really feel like I was it was like the seeds were there um and then I really started watering it after college um but yeah um anyway that's all I got for you today just some embarrassing shit and um god sobriety is Sobriety is, sobriety really is serenity, and so is not having a man in your life. (laughs) (sighs) On that note, you know what time it is? It's something that made me happy this week. It's my pink cloud of sobriety. So it has been my goal to get my steps up because while I am not a big exercise person, I do know that being super sedentary is not helping my anxiety. I know that my sleep issues would be better if I moved my body a little more. I get it, okay? And um, so I focused this weekend on just going for more walks and I kind of broke them up. And I'm happy to say that uh, I walked on on Saturday, I walked about 8,000 steps, and today I walked 10,000. Uh, today being Sunday, I'm recording this on Sunday, sorry, I'll look behind the curtain. And um, is this a, a flashy, exciting pink cloud? No. But um, I felt really productive, and I also I did a lot of deep cleaning of my bathroom, which again, not glamorous, not flashy, not exciting, but um, productivity does create dopamine, and I think that it can be really hard when you're in um, a space of anxiety or depression, um, especially because I get fatigued really easily when I'm in those places, and it is like physically hard to like get myself to go and do something, but um, it does help when you're able to. So I think it's about finding those pockets, right? So if I have a day where I'm feeling more energetic and better, I'm like, I'm going to use this day to my advantage because I am i don't always have these days. So when they're here, I'm going to really try and do some things and cross some things off my list because I know that that's going to make me feel even better, at least for that day. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Sobriety with me, your friend, Dari. And uh, I love you all so much. I really, really genuinely do. Um, We have like 112 reviews, which really does warm my heart because I have been setting different goals for the podcast, kind of just like internally to myself. And we've hit a lot of them. And um, uh, the next one, I really, I want to hit 500 reviews. Can we do it? We can do it. It's going to take some time. You know, magic, it doesn't happen overnight. But I appreciate you all for listening. And uh, I'll talk to you next week. And I hope your cup runneth over with good things, only good things. I don't want bad things in your cup. You know, 
like alcohol. Get that alcohol out of your cup. No, I'm just kidding. A lot of people who are not sober listen to this podcast. And I love you all too. Okay, bye everyone. Talk to you next week.